message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakingDeacon.com Good morning, Father. Get me out of your way that your truth would be lifted up and by the power of the Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds to understand and obey the Scriptures to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yep, so yesterday I went hunting, that one last day of hunting, and when the sun went up, came up, I should have been out there before the sun came up, but I slept in. And so I got out there, and I was out there from like 8 o'clock till 5.30. And not a tail. Not, not, a deer didn't even wave goodbye to me. There was nothing going on anywhere. And so I even moved around to try to scare something up. Nothing was there. They were all hiding out down by the river or something. They're having a New Year's party. And I clearly wasn't invited. So it was a bummer. But a couple things that I like about certain events, like June, because my birthday's in June, that's... I like about it because it, it's a time that forces you to reflect. Another time, believe it or not, that I like are funerals. I don't care much to marry people. I haven't married anybody, but I've done a couple funerals, and I like funerals because that's when people are most in their right mind, and they're most likely to think about the casket they're seeing up in the front. Uh, I was able to preach my grandparents' funerals in Catholic churches, and my dad's funeral, I preached that, recorded it, turned it into a, a YouTube video and put it back online and then told all the family to go listen to it again because I want them to get the gospel, right? But there are times when we actually stop and think, or we should. New Year's is one of those, can be a happy time to stop and think. Stop and think. And the reason for this is because it allows your brain to engage in truth. Now, when I was a youth pastor, we took the youth group to camp, and we were just talking about BFC, or I was, you mentioned a BFC church, and I was remembering the BFC days, which are very nice. We took the youth group up to the Pine Brook, which is their camp, and I said, listen, I got all the youth group together. It was in the morning. I said, grab your Bible, go in the woods. I don't want to see you for 30 minutes. Go. I don't want to see you together either. Go into the woods for 30 minutes. And it's like, and you can't bring your Walkmans. Now, some of you may not know what a Walkman is. Uh, they used to play tapes. And then later on, CDs. Now, it was before iPods. All right? Before digital music could, you know. Anyway. And they, it blew their mind. Go in the woods without something in my brain? How can this be? I gave them something to feed their brain. I said, take your Bible with you. But they, they needed music to think. They needed some sort of distraction. And as grown-ups, we like to stay busy. We get up, we got a plan, we like to stay busy. Because it feels good. We've done something. And, um, and then in the evenings, when we're done being busy, what do we like to do? We sit back in our most comfortable places and distract our brains with something else. As long as our brain's distracted from what is, we're okay, right? That's the Christians. But um, atheists, they, do, they have a similar thing. We don't want to be like atheists. Atheists are dumb, all right? They need Jesus and they're going to hell. We don't want to be like them. But this, I first saw this picture from one of my atheist family members, and uh, 
But I went back and I grabbed it because I think we don't want to do this. Here it is. Shop for a new tie. Stand busy. Cook macaroni. Do cardio. Don't let the existential dread set in. And this picture shows the guy forth smiling and he's sweating. Don't let it set in. And then vacuum the rug. This existential, I didn't unpack this word like I should have for today, means why are you here? What's the meaning and purpose of all of this? Do you ever stop to think, another year went by, what was that? What is this all about? Why did I experience this or that? You know, why? Why am I here? That's a good question a Christian should know the answer to. But in order to do that, you have to stop and think. That's what existentialism is. Why do I exist? For an atheist, there's no answer. The atheists try not to let the existential dread set in because they know they have no answer. They think they're a cosmic accident. They think their grandparents was snot and then a monkey and them. They think they came from nothing. It's the absolute epitome of illogic, irrational, pure rebellion against God. Pure rebellion against God. And the worst thing is is they think that they're just going to go back into an oblivion when they die. That's not what's going to happen at all. When they die, this existential atheist, they're going to stand before a living God who said, you knew all along and now you will pay forever. And they, in terror, screaming and hatred, will be cast into God's judgment forever. Because they were dumb. And in the rebellion, they hated God. All right? We don't want to be like that. But as Christians, we do something similar too, don't we? Because we'll stay busy, and these two should be read our Bible and pray. Read our Bible and pray. Study. Pursue. Fellowship. Right? We don't want to do that. But this is okay. So we want to be careful that we don't do what they're doing. But we want to be able to take the time. Stop. Think. Relax. And I have to say, that story of hunting in the woods, I had plenty of time to stop and think. Matter of fact, that's where I got the idea of the sermon. So you can thank all those deer for that. Had my phone with me, pulled out my Bible, started getting the, started studying right there. Yeah, okay, oh, this is going to be great. Do you remember when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, 28-30, consider the lilies of the field? Now that's out of context, and in it he's saying, consider the lilies of the field, how God has made them and adorned them, and not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed as one of these. The idea is this. Consider. Because when we consider, it means we're stopping and thinking. Did you know Christianity is the thinking religion? It's the one religion where you're supposed to bring your brains in, where you're supposed to engage. There's no such thing as blind faith. There is no such thing as blind faith for Christians because God informs us more than we want to know usually, right? We want to know certain things. We've got a couple questions about God, but the rest of it I could care less, right? But God informs us on everything. Let's take a look at some of these. Um, well, first, here's a calling from Isaiah. 
Isaiah in chapter 1 is just going right after Jerusalem. And he's saying to them, you guys are in full-on rebellion against God. Please stop and come back. It's called repenting. And he says in verse 18, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. He calls them to think and to reason. Um, in Hebrews, in Proverbs 6.6 6 and Psalm 77, are Hebrew words, uh, in Old Testament is what I mean, uh, for the observe or meditate. As in, in Proverbs 6.6, 6, it says, observe the ant, see how it's busy, right? And that word is to learn thoroughly, examine, carefully study, consider well. You know, brain work. Psalm 77 is to meditate on these things. And it means to meditate, to devise, or muse, or imagine. The greater term of that Hebrew word is to moan, growl, or utter. You know how some people, they walk around, they're grumbling. You know their brain's working, right? Because they're thinking something. And it ain't a poppy thought. I like how that's in there. To moan, growl, think on these things. They should be slipping out of your mouth. You know, and someone's, are you talking to me? No, I'm sorry, I was just thinking out loud. All right? In the New Testament, like in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 24, we have to consider, observe, like in consider the lilies, to learn thoroughly, examine carefully. And in Luke, for the word consider, as in consider the ravens, to perceive, remark, observe, understand, to consider attentively, fix one's eyes or mind upon. It's that pause. You know in in Psalms you'll see like it'll say something and it'll say sila. That means pause. Listen. Think. Okay? Uh, Joshua... Verses 1-8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now this is Joshua warning the people of Israel after they conquered the land. And what did they do? Book of Judges, hello, five, four hundred years of being stupid when they should have done this. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a closer look at Psalm 8 and a not-so-close look at Psalm 19 because I don't want to overwhelm you. And I want you to first see the, the literary design of these, but look, what, look at these psalmists, what they're singing to God. And this Psalm 8 is to the choir master, uh, that dude getteth a psalm of David. And he says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Now, growing up in churches and religiousness and singing, uh, right? This this to me was all the same thing. It might as well have just been, because... To say something, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name? What's a majestic? 
You know, can you buy them in a store? I don't know. I was a kid, right? But let's look at this more deeply. Oh, Lord, any time in the Bible you see all caps of the word Lord, it means Yahweh. Or you know how like the Jehovah Witnesses come and say the real name of God's Jehovah. Well, you can say J or, or U or Y that has the same J sound. All right, but the Hebrews would remove all the vowels and just have the consonants, and it'd be Y W H A or something like that, A or something like that, and it'd be Yehovah or Yahweh. All right, that is the name of the Lord, and Adonai means Lord, the boss, the guy we take orders from. Let's look at that a little more detail. The proper name of the one true God, the existing one, is Jehovah. And Adonai is Lord. All right? The title spoken in place of Yahweh. So this psalm begins with the existing one, our Lord. All right? And we go to verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Now, many times in church circles, we hear this one, and, it's, and uh, people like to say this, well, out of the mouth of babes, right? And what does that mean? Well, uh, let's talk about that for a second, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 and 29. And I mentioned this, I alluded to this last week. When Jesus was born, where did the angels go to? Did they go to the kings? Did they go to the president? And they said, hey, uh, the new king has born, you better get over there. Where did the angels go? Hark the herald angels sing. They went to shepherds. Right? Who were the shepherds? They were the blue-collar workers working the night shift. And look at this. I should have brought it up, this up last week, and I'm going to bring it up now. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Isn't that cool? That's something to brag about. Yeah, God chose me. Well, who are you? I'm lowly. I'm weak. I'm foolish. Woo! That's the, that's the resume to be chosen by God. Isn't that cool? So you don't have to get your act together, then come to church. God will take you as you are, and He'll do the changing. Because you'll be in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to that Psalm 8. That's why from the mouth of babes, God chooses what is not. So in verse 3, back in Psalms, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. I couldn't help it. I had to throw Romans in there. 
because it fits so well. Uh, Romans 1.19 For what can be known about God is plain to them. That's the ungodly, unrighteous. I added that. Because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely, His eternal power and divine nature are clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Alright? Psalm 8, verses 3. That's what the psalmist is saying. When I look at the sun, the moon, and the stars, which you put in place, it's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, I know for sure every scientist that believes in evolution is wrong. Absolutely, scientifically, positively wrong. How do I know that? Because God is right. And if you disagree with God, guess who's wrong? Can you dig it? Just had to put that in there. Now let's go back to Psalms. We'll spend the rest of our time here. Psalm 8, 4 through 6. What is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man, that you care for Him. Yet you have made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned Him with glory and honor. You have given Him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet. This should sound familiar to many of you because it's in Hebrews. Um, in Hebrews chapter 2, 6 and 8, those are uh, prophecies of Christ. But, um, if you... I won't get too details. When you interpret uh, prophecy, it, it's called a typological interpretation, meaning it has a meaning for its readers at the present time, and then it has a Christ meaning. And so, if we look at this, into this context, this is not talking about Christ in its fundamental first context. It's talking about us, humanity. It's talking about the garden, Adam and Eve, where it says you've made them a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet. All right? And what is he talking about, all these things under his feet? I'll show you, keeping it in context. The sheep, the oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes Along the paths of the seas, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now you understand in that short psalm, here he is, he's sitting, he's considering what's first, when I see the glory of heaven, and then I think, what is mankind that you've given us dominion over all this, that who is man? Why are you doing this, God? Right? Oh, Lord, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name. All right, I'll go a little quicker through this psalm, 19. And this time I really want you to see, and I'll be quick about it. It's going to go big and it comes down. It starts in the universe and comes to the heart of man and the Word of God. Check this out. All right? A psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. 
Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there languages whose voice is not heard. So all humanity is without excuse when we see God's great creation. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. Now look here in this. We started out with the God's creation and now we're talking about the, the sun and how it rides across the course of the sky. Remember, it's coming down, this, the, the writer of the psalm. And he lands on the word of God in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now look at the design of this. This is like a parallelism where there's paralleling statements about the Word of God and how amazing it is. I hope in your heart that when you think of the Bible... You can agree with this writer that the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Does it cause you to rejoice in your heart? Is it enlightening to the eyes? Do you read Scripture and go, Aha! I didn't know that. That's amazing. Psalm 19.9 The fear of the Lord is clean or pure. Enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. All right? He went from above, now he's just adoring the words of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. All right? This, this author has taken time. He's considering God's creation. And now he's just considering the words of God and what it does for us. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. So he goes from describing the Word of God, what it's like to him, to now just straight up prayer. It's okay to pray for yourself. And this is what it looks like. Keep me from sin. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep me from sin. Don't let them have dominion over me. Let me be blameless and innocent in your sight, God. Right? These are amazing. And then he ends with a prayer. Look at this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, there's meditation, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Something about redeemer. In the New Testament, we know redeemer because Christ is our redeemer. This is Old Testament. Who is their redeemer? 
It was God, our Lord, my rock, and my Redeemer. So, as we prepare for communion, again, here we are. We're called to examine, consider, meditate, except this time on ourselves. Out of 1 Corinthians 11, 28-31, Let a person examine himself then, and, see, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. Now this was Paul's warning to a church that wouldn't just have a uh, communion, they'd have a fellowship meal. And they would bring, you know, moxie, which any church should bring to uh, church meals. But they would also have wine, and they real wine, not just Welch's grape juice. And they would get drunk before they'd have communion. So they'd be, hey, yeah, praise God! All right? And Paul was saying, eh, you got to tone it down. All right? And matter of fact, he was telling the church that uh, that's, that's why some of them were weak and ill and some have died, because the church was bringing judgment on itself. Consider what Christ has done. It's 2017. Technically, for the Christian, every day is a reset button for you and for me. Every day is a reset button where God says, What sin? What guilt? You don't have to be guilty. You don't have to be, have sin bugging you. Today is a new day. Live in the grace and mercy of Christ who's gone ahead of you paid your fine before Christ, before God, and so God declares us not guilty. Even for the mess up you haven't done yet today, you're not guilty in Christ. That's a reset button. So take some time. I know you all had a break and you used it with chaos and family and whatnot. But try this week to run away even for an hour. What? And don't do anything. Don't watch TV. Don't listen to music. Grab a Bible. Go hide. And consider. Think. Meditate. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakindeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakindeacon.com. Truth is here.